Here we go again. The GTA is getting hit with another big blast of snow. We're live on the road where travel is tricky and a winter weather travel advisory remains in effect. Good evening. Spring break may be on our doorstep, but tonight, a harsh reminder, we're not through with winter just yet. Here we are, another Friday and another messy start to the weekend. CTV's Andrew Brennan is in Etobicoke, which is getting hit hard this evening. How's it going, Andrew? Well, Michelle, not as hard in terms of the amount of snowfall right now. Many people looking to get out of Dodge and get home in their Dodges earlier today to try to get off the roads. But no matter where they were going, it seems it's really hard to beat the perils of Mother Nature. There is an unspoken rule of the road. If the snow is falling on a Friday, the afternoon rush hour starts even earlier. And it's not just the snowfall that accumulates but the frustrations. I hate the snow. <laughs> you hate driving in the snow? I do. But for the seasoned, all-season drivers and the out-of-towners where the snow hit first and harder, it's a matter of perspective. It's not, actually not it's bad. It was a lot worse in Waterloo this morning, so Toronto's not bad. Now it's still okay. Maybe I don't know is after. More people in the ditch, more people uh, with minor collisions. Occasional whiteout conditions and slippery roads do take their toll. The OPP reported several multi-vehicle accidents. Toronto Police Traffic Services were busy as well and offered a plea for patience and diligence from drivers. I've seen vehicles recently driving that have what looks like a, a mattress on top of their vehicle. Well, when that is compacted snow or turns to ice and becomes, uh, becomes loose from the vehicle, flies off, it could blind another vehicle. Not only dangerous, but costly for those caught and fined. Toronto's had a truncated winter season, starting late warm and wet for weeks on end, but the late resurgence of old man winter has many jumping or at least gliding for joy. I get upset when it rains on a day that I'm not curling. I'm just really grateful that we're getting some winter now, a little bit late, uh, uh, to get that chance to enjoy it. And I mean, everyone's out here skating and walking and even riding in the park and uh, people love winter, you know. Now, the city confirmed to me late this afternoon that the major snowstorm declaration from last weekend is still in effect, meaning that the work was still going on for the last dumping of snow as we began doing salting and clearing for this round of snow. Also, warming stations for those who need it are opening in about 45 minutes at 7 p.m. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. We'll send it back to you inside. All right. Thank you, Andrew. And this is a live shot from Earl Bales Park. Not a lot of skiers out tonight as we welcome the weekend with a whiteout. Question is, how much snow will we get and how long will it last? Lindsay Morrison is here with the answers. Lindsay. Well, Nathan, most areas have already seen the majority of the snow that they're going to get with this system. That's the good news. The snow will taper off as we progress through this evening. I want to zoom in close here to show you, though, that the snow continues to fall around the GTA. In fact, we're starting to see it taper off around the Hamilton area. That's one community that remains, in fact, under a snowfall warning. And it's a similar situation in towards St. Catharines, for example. Burlington, Oakville, you were added to that snowfall warning a little bit earlier this afternoon. That's where the heaviest snow is expected to fall still under that winter weather travel advisory here in Toronto. We're tapping into a bit more of a northerly wind gusting to about 40 kilometers per hour. That's reducing visibility. It's a little bit cool out there once you factor in the winds. But again, light snow will come to an end tonight. We'll take you through the weekend forecast coming up. For now, Michelle, I'll send it back to you.
Thanks, Lindsay. And you can bet families are watching the weather closely, hoping it doesn't impact their travel plans. The great March break getaway is underway. Pearson Airport experiencing one of its busiest days of the year. And CTV's John Musselman is at Terminal 1 tonight, monitoring departures and the impact of the wintry weather. What is the impact, John? Well, Michelle, we just looked at the board. I'd say about 30 flights are uh, listed as delayed. Less than a, a half a dozen cancellations. There is snow here and near the airport, but uh, for the most part, uh, we're hearing less than 12% when it comes to cancellations. So people are getting through the airport and getting on their way. They're heading just about everywhere. Warm, sunny beaches. We're going to Florida for March break and getting an extra week out of it. We're staying for two weeks. So. We're headed to um, Indian Rocks Beach, Florida. Swimming and collecting seashells. Just the heat. I'm sick of the snow. To the snowy Midwest. We're headed to Minnesota, to the Mall of America. Oh, yeah, what's going on there? There's just um, Nickelodeon Universe, SpongeBob's Place. All of our friends are going someplace hot, but we picked the cold. <laughs> and to the bright lights of Broadway. Um, we're going to see a show, Broadway show, Funny Girl, so that's the highlight of the weekend. There's always something to do, it's always busy. I like that, like I like the city, so yeah, I love New York. This is known as Getaway Day. Thousands of passengers will pass through both terminals today. As many as 125,000 people per day at peak times during the March break. We're going to Saudi Arabia. Raleigh, North Carolina. We're going to Dubai. Lake Tahoe in California. Costa Rica. This family is pretty excited. They're headed to sunny Costa Rica for the March break. A trip that almost didn't happen when they realized their son's passport was weeks away from expiring. It was a mad dash to the passport office yesterday. Everything worked out. We just picked up the passport, so now we're praying that the tickets are fine and we'll be able to get on our flight. Officials at Pearson say staffing levels are in place to handle the crowds, but weather can always be a factor. Utilize our digital tools. So first and foremost, if you're coming and traveling to an international destination, arrive three hours before within Canada, two hours before. Use YYZ Express, use MPC app. All of those things are going to really help you expedite your time uh, through the security line. And the weather has been snowy most of the day, but the airport de-icing facility is capable of handling 500 aircraft per day. Snow removal teams are keeping runways clear so air traffic can keep moving. The GTAA recently announced a hard limit on the number of arriving and departing flights per hour to give airport staff the ability to better handle the crowds. And again, the obvious advice, just check with your airline, check the flight status before you head out here so you don't run into any issues. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you. All right. Thank you, John. Also tonight, the Air Miles Rewards Program is taking flight to new ownership the multi-billion dollar BMO deal and what the purchase could mean for your points. Well, it was far from a regular day at a handful of schools in Peel region with police and security on patrol. Online threats warning of gun violence today has students on edge, some choosing not to attend at all. CTV's Austin Delaney was monitoring what was likely a tense day for students and families and joins us from St. Thomas Aquinas Secondary School in Brampton. Austin. Well, the threat to shoot up seven high schools out here in Peel thankfully did not materialize, but you can now add a grade schools to the number of schools that are now threatened. At Mount Royal Public School, worried parents huddled at the front door, waiting to pick up their children, some dashing from their cars. Are you worried about your child? Yeah, of course. The Brampton School had been placed today in a hold and secure following an online threat. 
Yes, everyone is everyone is really very worried mm -hmm. because all the parents do not want to take risk of the kids. It has been a tense day at several Peel schools, seven of them receiving online Snapchat threats that they would be shot up today. The threat enough to keep some students home. No one's here, like nobody's here. The building is literally empty. There were police on the property as well as private security. Just around every door, there's at least one security guard there. They didn't let us out, they only let us out through the main door. Very few students at St. Thomas Aquinas and many missing teachers. One thing I did find confusing was they had all the students, like whose teachers were there, they had us in the calf, so I was putting all the students in the middle of the school right in front of the main door. And that might have been like a liability. Because like what if someone actually showed up and they saw like all the kids in the cafeteria? On their way in this morning, some of the students were on edge, not knowing if the threat was real. I was really scared, not gonna lie. When like I seen like another post about like guns and everything. And like I'm I just turned 17 yesterday, so I still want to live more years. School officials and police were taking the threat seriously. Seven schools in Mississauga and Brampton were named as targets for the shooting today. A lot of the efforts placed here at Peel Region, specifically we're talking about an event here in Peel Region the last two days, was done out of an abundance of caution. Yesterday at Harold Braithwaite Secondary School in Brampton, a student was taken out in handcuffs. Video inside a classroom shows a student being escorted by police while other students huddle on the floor. A BB gun was seized, a 14-year-old charged. And two teens were arrested yesterday after separate online threats. A 14-year-old boy charged with uttering threats at Chincuzi Secondary School in Brampton. And a 16-year-old girl charged with uttering threats at Lincoln Alexander Secondary School in Mississauga. And police are said to be using sophisticated computer software to try and track down the person behind these threats. So far, though, no arrest. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. Thanks, Austin. Making tech courses mandatory in high school. The Ford government pushes skilled trades to better prepare students for work after graduation. That story coming up. Toronto police made two arrests in the armed carjacking last spring of Maple Leaf Mitch Marner. On May 16th, police say a man and woman in their 20s were robbed at gunpoint in the parking lot of a movie theater near Islington and the Queensway. Two men with guns and a third with a knife allegedly demanded the victim's keys and phone, then drove off in their Range Rover. Police never named Marner as a victim, but the Toronto Maple Leaf says they gave him an update in his case a few days ago. It's a scary situation. It's a situation that... I don't think any person wants to be a part of or, you know, wants to experience, especially with a loved one. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, it's a, it's a very scary experience with everything going on. And knowing that the cops clean that up and, you know, have done a great job of it, it's, uh, it's nice to have the closure. Police have arrested 24-year-old Kristen Armin Johnson of Brampton and 21-year-old Anas Adan Farah of Toronto. They face several charges, including robbery with a firearm. Investigators are still searching for a third suspect considered armed and dangerous. And with the rise in auto theft prompting concern right across the GTA, Peel Police hosted a summit today aimed at finding new ways to address the issue. Nobody here is under the assumption that this is the answer and end of work. Collectively, what we've said is this is the beginning of work. Other police services, as well as industry and government stakeholders, were in attendance. The participating organizations exchanged ideas and committed to focusing on enforcement, collaboration, and public awareness. Durham police have arrested a Toronto man accused of discharging a gun after a crash last night in Pickering. 
Police say they got an armed person call just before 11 p.m. The report said a man was seen fleeing a car crash at Brock Road and Palmer Sawmill Road. Witnesses say they also heard a gunshot. Police later recovered a loaded gun and a casing. They arrested a 23-year-old man who's now facing 12 charges, including operation while impaired and careless handling of a firearm. To a developing story tonight, the whale who became known as the world's loneliest orca has died at Marineland. The Ministry of the Solicitor General confirmed that Kiska the whale passed away at the Niagara Falls Aquarium yesterday. Her death marks the end of orca captivity in Canada. Kiska lived at the park since 1979 and was dubbed the loneliest orca in the world by animal activists. And we have more on this story online. You can find it on our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. Change is in the air tonight for a major consumer rewards program. Air Miles is being acquired by BMO Financial Group. CTV's Mike Walker has details on the deal and what it means if you're a points collector. It's been a turbulent time for Air Miles recently, with major brands including Sobeys, the LCBO, and Staples exiting the loyalty program, and its parent company, Loyalty Ventures, now filing for bankruptcy in the U.S. I've never been interested in it. There's fewer options. I just found it was really difficult to, uh, uh, you know, retrieve them. BMO Financial Group announcing it has signed a deal to acquire Air Miles, intending to reinvigorate the rewards program. Provides incredible stability to the program gives our collectors confidence, our partners confidence in the future of the program. Air Miles president says the deal will not affect customers' account balances nor the ability to collect and redeem. They've always been safeguarded, so nothing will change. It's business as usual. BMO has been a partner with Air Miles since 1992. Air Miles has nearly 10 million active accounts and is currently affiliated with 300 brands. Notably now, Metro Grocery Stores, Shell, plus Amazon and eBay. BMO's perspective, they were a partner with Air Miles from the very beginning. So they wouldn't want to lose this customer space, especially those, those that have a co-branded Air Miles credit card, because that's big business for the bank. Air Miles can be redeemed for merchandise, events, and travel, but the rewards program field is highly competitive, with many like Optimum and Seam Plus shifting to tailor-made offers based on shopping habits. It really comes down to the consumer, but I think there are so many options out there beyond Air Miles that are stronger, that provide more values. Experts say with many retailers pivoting to other loyalty programs or creating their own, the best option for the Canadian consumer may be... The credit card um, proprietary programs do make a lot of sense for most Canadians because there's just so much variety in what you can get with the points. But Air Miles believes it still has a competitive edge. The scale that we can give businesses of all shapes and sizes is tremendous. And conversely, with that, collectors get more opportunity to earn. BMO's acquisition still requires court approval. Mike Walker, CTV News. And there's big news tonight in Canada's aviation sector. WestJet's takeover of Sunwing Airlines and Sunwing Vacations has been given the go-ahead. But in approving the acquisition, Ottawa imposed conditions. They include extending Sunwing packages to five additional cities and maintaining capacity on most impacted routes. Financial terms of the deal were not disclosed. Last fall, the Competition Bureau expressed concern that a takeover could mean less competition when it comes to the sale of vacation packages. The City of Toronto is joining the growing list of governments trying to limit their network's exposure to TikTok. The social media app will be deleted from around 350 city-issued devices where it's already installed. Future downloads will be blocked. 
TikTok has already been banned from federal and provincial government devices amid concerns the software could transmit user data to the Chinese government. TikTok says that does not happen. Today, Education Minister Stephen Lecce suggested Ontario public schools may soon limit or prohibit use of the app. There's a change in course ahead impacting students right across Ontario. They'll soon have to pass a technological education course in order to graduate. As CTV's Scott Lightfoot reports, it's a move aimed at getting more young people into the skilled trades. Future high school students in this province will be getting more hands-on education after the government announced it will soon be mandatory for students to attain one technical education course credit in order to get their high school diploma. That could be for construction tech, uh, tech to emerging technologies. It could be a course in robotics or adolescent healthcare. We're giving a, a wide variety of course options in nine or ten. We're doing that so that we're not crowding out the electives and the prerequisites in grade 11 and 12, which may be required for students to pursue higher learning. The announcement made this morning by the education minister, not in a school, but in a factory that makes light armored vehicles. The move designed to get more young people into the skilled trades. According to the ministry, in the 2020-2021 school year, fewer than 40% of high school students in this province took a technological education course, and the majority of those were males. One course might be all it takes to light that flame of learning and curiosity in our young women and lead them into prosperous careers in technology and the skilled trades. Students at St. Patrick Catholic Secondary School, which offers specialist skills programs in several technological disciplines, had mixed opinions on the proposed change. I'm learning how to use Photoshop. It's like a useful skill, and I may need that for like, uh, my future. I mean, the tech class is really easy to take anyways, so I don't think it'll be, you know, a lot harder. In my opinion, it's like 50-50. For people who like tech, it'll be good, right? But for people who don't like tech, it's going to be more of a burden. The burden of how this will be enacted is something school boards will now be trying to figure out. Both of the Toronto school boards declined to offer details, saying they're waiting for more information from the province about staffing and resources. The education minister says more technical education teachers will be needed. We are going to need more of them, and yes, we have a plan to hire more of them, and really thinking outside the box about how do we leverage the experience of people who every day are in the trenches using their tools and technology um, to help build uh, our province. The government says the new requirement will begin for students entering high school in September of 2024. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. Canada's economy beat expectations for job growth in February, possibly adding to the case for more interest rate hikes. Statistics Canada says 22,000 jobs were added nationwide last month, more than twice what many analysts forecast. Unemployment held steady at 5%, just above its record low. The Bank of Canada held the interest rate steady earlier this week on Wednesday, but warned it will watch economic data to see if more hikes are needed to tame inflation. And the tight labor market will play a role in that calculation. We're facing what's expected to be a tough economic year ahead, and this may offer a clearer picture of how Ottawa plans to respond. The federal budget will be tabled Tuesday, March 28th. Finance Minister Christian Freeland says the government is focused on fiscal restraint and does not want to make inflation worse. But the Liberals will still have to consider their spending commitments. The economy is expected to slow significantly in 2023 and potentially enter a recession. Tomorrow marks three years since the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic. In Canada right now, the virus has reached a relatively steady state.
In recent months, there have been no distinct variant-driven waves, such as the well-defined alpha, delta, and initial Omicron wave seen previously. Likewise, over the past six to eight months, COVID-19 hospitalizations have been relatively stable despite the ongoing spread of Omicron subvariants. ICU admissions and deaths have also stabilized and population immunity is high. But health officials warn COVID-19 is still here and continues to disproportionately affect people who are older or immunocompromised. There have been millions of cases in Canada since the pandemic began and more than 51,000 people have died. The federal government is going to withhold millions of dollars worth of health transfers to eight provinces, including Ontario. These deductions are there to protect Canadians that have to pay for medically necessary services. Ottawa's clawing back a total of $82 million. It says it's because patients were charged in 2020 and 2021 for procedures that are supposed to be available at no cost. That includes MRIs, CT scans and access to abortion. Ontario's deduction is by far the lowest at nearly $33,000. The highest is Quebec, where $41 million is being held back. The Trudeau government is under pressure to act following growing allegations of Chinese interference in our democracy. Today, a plan to help crack down on those attempting to undermine our elections. It begins with two months of consultations. CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver reports. Three months after the government first revealed it was preparing to consult Canadians on a foreign agent registry, consultations are finally beginning. It's important that we bring all Canadians along, including members of the Chinese Canadian community, who have reason to be concerned given the history of the way in which these powers can be abused. The public safety minister says the process begins today, but he won't say when a registry could be implemented. And already, Canada is behind its allies, including the United States and Australia, who already have foreign agent registries. We have laid the foundation for a, a conversation that will be sure that we get this mechanism right. It is not an uncomplicated, straightforward exercise. Under such a registry, people engaged in domestic lobbying or advocacy for a foreign country would have to disclose their ties and activities or face consequences. Would your government be supportive of a foreign uh, influence registry? Until now, Canada has been hesitant to implement such a registry, despite a bill to set one up currently sitting in the Senate. While these actions may not completely eliminate the problem, at least they can act as deterrent and serve notice to foreign powers that they prox and their proxies that we guard our democratic institutions and our sovereignty <laughs> seriously. Advocates who say interference, especially by China, has been going on for years, say more measures Thank to combat foreign Mr. interference Tony, are badly needed. Beijing is watching every day with the threat and the intimidation and the harassment. Earlier this week, 33 cultural groups representing communities targeted by Russia, China, Iran and others called on the federal government to implement a foreign agent registry before the next election, something the government wouldn't commit to today. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, CTV News, Ottawa. Canadian officials are hoping this will help undermine the Kremlin's war on Ukraine. Imports of Russian steel and aluminum are being banned, part of Ottawa's sanctions regime. Canada imported $79 million in steel products from Russia last year and $16 million worth of aluminum. The Ukrainian-Canadian Congress welcomes this move, calling it inexplicable for Western companies to continue doing business with Russia.
The head of Google Canada appeared before a parliamentary committee today declaring the company will stop blocking news links next Thursday. These are tests. They are not product decisions. And they are tests because there is just so much uncertainty right now with this legislation that we, we just need to understand that. Google's been preventing some Canadian users from seeing news links on its search engine and on the Discover panel on Android phones. The company says it's to assess the effects of Bill C-18. The federal legislation would require digital giants to compensate Canadian media companies for links to their content. To sports, the Raptors remain in California to take on the L.A. Lakers tonight. Toronto has gone one and three on this current five-game road trip and are still battling for a spot in the playoffs or the play-in tournament. Meanwhile, the Lakers, who are currently without LeBron James due to injury, also sit ninth in the West and are in their own fight for a postseason spot. Tip-off is at 1030. Raptors guard Fred Van Vliet's been handed a hefty fine for a profanity-laced rant against the referees following Wednesday night's game against the Clippers. Van Vliet's been ordered to pay $30,000 for the disparaging comments he made after Toronto fell 108-100 to Los Angeles. Van Vliet, who was called for a technical foul, criticized the disparity in fouls and free throws. Bernadeschi cut centrally off the left Toronto FC will play their home opener at BMO Field tomorrow. TFC returns home to host the Columbus crew after eking out a draw last week, which follows a week one loss. The Reds are coming off a disappointing 2022 campaign in which they finished second last in the East. Kickoff is at 7.30 tomorrow night, and the grass won't look like that with temperatures expected to be below freezing. Canada's reputation for being nice apparently extends to our sports fans. The Blue Jays were recently voted fifth least annoying in Major League Baseball. Jays fans were also voted the 11th best behaved. Yankees fans hold the distinction of being the most annoying and worst behaved, while the Red Sox faithful were second most annoying and third worst behaved. Coming up, an unusual rescue fit for animal lovers. How a cat abandoned in the snow was saved by a dog. Proving felines and canines can actually be allies, even friends. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, many of the things we buy, especially electronic items, come in boxes. So when should you throw out a box or recycle it? And when should you keep it? We can tell you when to hold them and when to fold them. All of that story just ahead. It's March break, and if you are hitting the I-95 and driving to Florida, you're bound to encounter a little bit of active weather along the way. Now, if you instead are headed to the airport, here's a few sunny destinations with temperatures close to 30 degrees. I'd take that this weekend. And if you're staying close to home, maybe hitting the slope, ski conditions are looking pretty good around the province. We do have potential for another round of snow, too. Your weekend forecast is coming up, and stay with us. With the boom in online shopping, many of us have boxes arriving at our homes every week, every day, in fact. And some of the things we buy come in their own boxes as well. With storage and closet space tight for many people, it begs the question, which boxes should we keep and which one should we get rid of? Pat Foran joins us with Consumer Alert. Pat. Nathan and Michelle, most of the boxes that come to your home will end up in recycling, but there are some that are worth keeping, at least for a while. It can make sense to hold on to boxes for laptops, phones, and tablets in case you need to return them, repair them, or resell them. 
Chris Raymond has been buying electronics for decades and has the boxes to prove it. One of the first electronic items I remember buying was a clock radio with a cassette player built into it. He has boxes decades old, which are reminders of some of his bygone gadgets. You could probably go into any room in the house and open a closet door or look, you know, tuck in one of the corners and you'll find a, a box tucked there for a laptop or a speaker or, uh, or a telephone. So next time you make a tech purchase, should you save the box? There are times when it's a no-brainer to hang on to a box, at least for a little while, like when there's a chance you might return an item. And depending on where you bought it, you might not get a full refund without the original packaging, so it may be worth keeping during the 14- to 90-day return window, especially for expensive electronics. Another time to hold on to the box. If it's an item that you think that you might resell, people are much more likely to buy it when it's in the box. You should also keep the box while the manufacturer's warranty is in effect. It might make it easier if you have to send an item back, though most will accept an item for repairs in any box. Also a good idea, saving the box to store a device you may not use every day or to keep track of its extra parts like a battery or a cord. That helps you, one, you go back and find them, but it also helps you remember what that cord goes to, right? If none of these apply, you may feel free to get rid of that box. Also, to help you keep the boxes you're storing from taking over your home, consider the one-to-one rule. When you get a new device and need to keep the box, get rid of an old one. And if you really don't have the space, you could also flatten a box or consider keeping smaller boxes inside larger ones. Tech boxes are also usually quite sturdy, so you could also use them to store other items. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Guess what time it is? A reminder, clocks go forward this weekend. The time change officially happens at 2 a.m. on Sunday. Sure, we lose an hour, but there will be more daylight marking the start of eight months of extended daylight into the evening. It helps lessen the blow of all the snow we're getting right now because we know spring is here. Yeah, it makes it easier to take the winter weather knowing that what a couple more weeks and that's it uh, i mean yes technically technically spring is 10 days away but uh, we're going to be dealing with this battle of winter versus spring for a few weeks i think this particular storm i'm just going to compare it to last friday's for a minute last friday we had very heavy amounts of snow this time around fortunately there's been more in the way of melting there's still reduced visibility out there right now but the worst of it appears to be over, and this snow is going to be tapering off as we make our way through the evening. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. In fact, even in the last hour, we've seen some of these winter weather travel advisories come to an end across southwestern Ontario, even areas like Caledon, for example. Still under a snowfall warning if you're joining us from Oakville, Burlington, Hamilton, and extending into the Niagara area. And it continues to be a winter weather travel advisory for us here in the city of Toronto, as well as Brampton and Mississauga. Current satellite and radar imagery looks like this. You can see that snow tapering off in the west end, including the Hamilton area so that's rather interesting how that's playing out but we're still getting some blowing snow reduced visibility and yes even some accumulating snow still in parts of the GTA but the center of that low is now sliding off to the southeast behind it we are looking at a quieter weekend overall we're not looking at a completely clear sky 
with high pressure at play. In fact, it's possible that we're still going to be dealing with a fair amount of cloud cover for tomorrow. But let me show you what's in store over the next uh, several hours here. So that's about 9 o'clock. Again, snow tapering off as we make our way into the overnight hours, even more clearing tomorrow morning. I'm hopeful that we will enjoy some sunny breaks throughout the day on Saturday. However, Cloud cover could still be dominant in many areas and will be during the daytime hours on Sunday. A heads up for Sunday night, it looks like we're in for another round of light snow and then things become active once again as we make our way into the day on Monday. We'll talk about that in just a moment. How much more snow? Maybe an additional centimeter for us here in Toronto. Maybe an additional five in the Niagara area. If you have some shoveling to do tomorrow, and many of us will, here's a look at your forecast. Again, crossing our fingers that we'll see some of those sunny breaks in to the afternoon. Tomorrow's high is one degree, wind chill minus two. Let's talk about what's in store for Sunday. You know what? I know lots of children out there eager to enjoy March break are happy about this snow and conditions are going to look great for playing outside again during the daytime hours. But at night, some light snow returns. Monday, we could see some light snow or some rain showers because the temperature will be up around two degrees. I'm already looking forward to Wednesday and Thursday of next week. Lots of sunshine, highs of around four and five degrees. Hey, next Friday is St. Patty's Day. That's your look at the weather, Michelle. I'll send it over to you. Already. Thanks, Lindsay. Well, as we're hit with the latest blast of wintry weather, a reminder to be kind to our four-legged friends. A cat was recently left abandoned in the snow and frigid temperatures, and you won't believe who came to her rescue. CTV's Beth McDonnell reports. Her dog was pulling to go and sniff something that was pretty much buried in snow. That tail you see is the tail of a dog who rescued a cat in a winter storm. Out for a walk with its owner, the dog discovered a crate with its door open, covered in snow. It was located at the end of a dead-end street in Burlington. Honestly, she got very lucky. Somebody was looking out for her because if that dog hadn't found her, I'm, within a few hours she would have likely been completely buried alive. The owner contacted Home at Last Rescue and the cat, now named Paisley, is out of the cold and snow, safe and warm at a foster home. Animal organizations say pets like Paisley are increasingly being dumped due to financial pressures, initially adopted during the pandemic. I lose sleep when I know there's a cat outside or abandoned there's not enough money, there's not enough fosters, there's just, there's not even enough adopters anymore. Like it's, it, it's hard. It rarely has a happy ending. Often the animals are found cold, hungry, um, and in really uh, difficult situations. The situation surrounding abandoned pets at Rouge National Urban Park is serious enough. It started an awareness campaign. The park says when domestic animals are left, they have to compete with other species for resources, can harm the ecological integrity of the park and lead to spreading viruses. The number abandoned, increasing from two in 2019 to 18 in 2022, including this husky. It's never okay to, to abandon an, a domestic animal in the park. Ultimately, it's cruel to leave animals in a wilderness setting that are not accustomed to, um, to it. The park says beyond cats and dogs, there have also been reports of rabbits, turtles and rats being dumped. Anyone who comes across a pet is asked to report it to the park and anyone considering giving up their animal is urged to contact their local shelter. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. Buying in bulk at the grocery store to get the best deal is getting more really saving you more. We check out the best ways to save coming up. 
Buying in bulk at the grocery store or selecting more than you need has become more popular as prices continue to soar. But is buying more than you need right now the right move for your family? CTV's Dave Charbonneau takes a closer look. It was $8.99 for one and $12 for two. Trish Rogers is buying more to try and save money. I try to plan ahead and honestly it, it saves money in the long run and less trips to the grocery store. Today it's multiple jugs of cat litter. If you're going to be using the product often, I think it's worth it to buy it because you can save two or three dollars. Grocery stores have been offering these types of bulk deals for years, but it can also lead to people buying too much, which can lead to waste. Bulk buying may not be the best solution for you uh, as, as a shopper. But if it works for your family, there are significant savings. At Metro, one bag of Lay's chips will cost you four forty-nine. But buying two is $7, a savings of nearly two bucks. At Walmart, Ritz crackers are $2.78. But if you buy three, it's $7, a savings of $1.34. At the Real Canadian Superstore, one loaf of bread is $3.29. If you buy two or more, the price drops to $3 on two loaves of saving of 58 cents. And at Loblaws, one bottle of palm olive dish soap is $3.49. Two bottles is $5.50, a savings of $1.48. But there are risks in buying more. Getting people to buy too much food could actually end up costing you more for two reasons. You may actually be paying more, but also you'll, you'll be wasting more as well. And food waste is the largest cost to most households. Most stuff I freeze, so when, I, when it's ready, like uh, Loblaw's uh, uh, lasagna, just throw it in the freezer. Yeah. So it's good, for, it's good forever. No, I usually keep everything that... I buy and use it for whenever I need it and yeah. try to use everything and try not to waste as much as possible. I tend to do it on, on products that uh, don't spoil quickly. And, uh, of course, it saves money in the long run. So it's a good way to save money if you use it. Dave Charbonneau, CTV News. Health Canada has issued a recall for several Yeti coolers due to the risk of magnets in the product detaching and being swallowed. This recall accounts for more than 40,000 products in Canada and 1.9 million in the U.S. The case and coolers have magnet line closures which can fall and result in the magnets coming off. The products involved were sold from March of 2018 to January 2023. And Health Canada has issued a recall for a toy linked to a choking death south of the border. The alert covers these bottle and pacifier accessories sold by Epoch Everlasting Play. They were sold alongside Calico Critters flocked animal figures between the years 2000 and 2021. They pose a choking hazard. Consumers can contact the company for a replacement. Rainy conditions in Los Angeles put a bit of a damper on preparations for the Oscars today, but organizers say they'll be ready. Everything you see here will just be touched up and polished up and deliver on the elegance that is the Academy Awards. Crews work to keep water off the carpet and other key set pieces. Sunny conditions are expected on Sunday. Etox Lainey Louie joins us earlier from outside the Dolby Theatre. She says there's a stacked guest list for Hollywood's biggest night. Angela Bassett, Austin Butler, Baz Luhrmann, Kate Blanchett, Michelle Yeoh, all the stars are scheduled to attend for one of the tightest races in Oscar history. We do not know who's going to take Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, or Best Picture. 
E-Tax coverage begins at 5.30 ahead of the 95th Oscars on Sunday night. The ceremony is hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, and it gets underway at 8 p.m. You can tune in live on CTV, ctvnews.ca, and the CTV app. Miley Cyrus released a new album today. The pop star dropped the album alongside a music video for the song River. Excitement's been building since the release of the lead single, Flowers. Endless Summer Vacation is Cyrus's eighth studio album and her first since 2020. The Spice Girls are celebrating 25 years of that classic hit, Stop, with an alternative music video. It features previously unseen footage from the original shoot. The song was first released back in 1998 and hit number two on the charts in the UK. Hi, Michelle and Nathan. On the next CP24 Breakfast, we'll have all of the highlights from the 95th Annual Academy Awards and it's Meal Prep Monday on the show. Nutrition consultant Shauna Thomas will show us some budget-friendly and fun snacks to keep our kids happy and fueled for March break. That's on the next CP24 Breakfast, up first at 5 a.m. We're going to be doing figure skating classes. Updating our top stories, it looks like winter weather sticking around for a little longer. Despite this, excitement is in the air as families across the region are carving out plans for March break. Just around every door, there's at least one security guard there. They didn't let us out. They only let us out through the main door. It was an unusual end of the week for students at several Peel Region schools. The few who chose to attend were met by police and security on patrol, taking what they describe as a proactive approach to various online threats, warning of gun violence today. It's a scary situation. It's a situation that I don't think any person wants to be a part of or you know, wants to experience. Two people have been arrested in a pair of carjackings last year. One of the victims was Maple Leaf star Mitch Marner. Investigators are still searching for a third suspect. On the markets, the Canadian dollar is unchanged at 72.30 U.S. American benchmark oil gained 96 cents to close at 76.68 U.S. a barrel. And the TSX Composite Index dropped 311 points to end the day at 19,774. If you're planning to drive, bike, or walk along Rosedale Valley Road this weekend, there's a closure to warn you about. The city is replacing the Glen Road pedestrian bridge and tunnel, and the old bridge has to be removed, a process scheduled for this weekend. That means Rosedale Valley Road will be closed from Park Road to Bayview until Monday. Heading for the hills to kick off March break. We catch up with the kids out of school and into the snow. That's coming up. A Canadian Oscar contender on the demands of his craft. The character is going to fill up the screen at all times. An extraordinary transformation that a Montreal makeup artist calls the biggest challenge of his career. Later on CTV National News. Hey there, Toronto. I'm Teddy Wilson. And I'm Nicole Servinas. Welcome to Things to Know TO. Each week, we shine a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA. These companies are part of what makes Toronto one of the world's most vibrant cities and a great place to live, work, and play. Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know TO. And visit us online at thingstoknowto.ca. Whether you're heading out of town or staying put, March break is here and excitement is in the air. Kids across the province say goodbye to the books and hello to the big week ahead. CTV's Allison Hurst reports. As the snow falls on the hill, 
Many are carving out their plans for this March break. Today it's my birthday. I'm, I'm turning 11. So Scarlett Duke is kicking off her holiday today. I'm going to soccer, uh, soccer camp for like with all my friends from, so, from, from my normal soccer. We had to squeeze in the skiing today, snow or not, because we're going to be busy next week. Keeping busy, her dad says, is key. We're going to keep her active. That way, uh, get her waking up every day so the transition back isn't so painful. Noah and Shia Cohen took their first turns ever on skis. I like going on there and falling off. And are planning to be back this break. Good. A jellyfish. While others are traveling to the snow. We're going to go to Vancouver. We're going to go skiing down the mountain. As kids said goodbye to school for the week, many were making plans of their own. We could probably like stay up late yeah. and then sleep in. We're going to go to my friend's house for his birthday party and like two basketball tournaments. We're going to be doing figure skating classes. While others look forward to some R&R. We can play and don't have to do work. Watching TV. The best part is that I get to relax and spend time with my friends and family. Who likely won't be assigning any homework. Allison Hurst, CTV News, Toronto. And you see all the snow there. If you have skiing plans, it really does help keep things mm -hmm. at home fun. It sure does. And you know, that snow continues to fall in many areas right now. It's light in nature. I'm a little bit concerned through the evening hours tonight that there will be some slippery spots out there. So do take care if you are planning on venturing out. One more look at the satellite and radar. Again, the snow is going to taper off as the evening progresses. We're already seeing that happen in some of the west end portions of the greater Toronto area. One more look at the advisories there. Tonight's low is forecast to be about minus four. A reminder that we do spring forward this weekend and get ready for some brighter evenings. And then the seven-day forecast looks like this. We're looking at brighter days by about the middle part of next week. Nathan and Michelle. Sounds good. Thanks, Lindsay. Well, that's it for us, but be sure to join Heather Butts tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great weekend. Good night.